that line in that song, forgiveness was bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. Today we're going to be talking about forgiveness, and we're going to walk through the story of Peter, some of Peter. Um, and I hope that by the end um, you'll see forgiveness um, with a greater, a greater sense of what God has done for you. So <clears throat> we're going to talk about Peter. And so starting out with Peter, before he knew who Jesus was, before he became a follower of Christ, he was a fisherman, and he was pretty outspoken. Um, you can see through the Gospels where Peter took the lead oftentimes. And matter of fact, at one point, he even rebuked Jesus. Um, he was sinful. Um, he was ashamed, um, which we actually see right at the turn of when he meets Jesus. Um, he had a pretty boisterous and uh, hot temper, and he was also pretty brave. Um, there are definitely some components to Peter. <laughs> I was telling my husband there are some components to Peter. I was like, I feel like I can relate to Peter some. Um, but so you have this guy, right? And he owes money um, to some tax collectors, and he's fishing. And while he's out fishing to try to, you know, get some money to pay off his debt, he's out all night long with the help of some of his friends. He's out fishing the entire night, the Gospels tell us, and he caught nothing at all. And so the next morning, weary and tired and with nothing to show for an entire night's worth of work, he is empty-handed. And so when he is bringing his boat in to the shore, he sees this man talking to a group of people, and it's Jesus. And Jesus is like, hey, can I borrow your boat? And so one of the Gospels tells us that Jesus hopped in his boat. They went out a little ways so that Jesus could talk and be heard by all. And so Peter's, or Jesus is in Peter's boat, but when he's done talking, Jesus looks at Peter and he says, throw down your net. And Peter's like, the Lord. Or, but Jesus, he didn't know who he was at the time. He was like, Jesus, I did that all night long. We fished and we caught nothing at all. And so he's like, throw down your net. And so Peter throws down his net, and what we know from the Gospels is that he caught so much fish, in fact, so much, that it was taking down the first boat, and they had to fill a second boat. So this was the first time that Peter sees this, a miracle. It's the first time that he sees Jesus, and he sees him in all of the power that he is. And as soon as he does that, Peter gets down and he says, go away from me, for I am a sinful man. In that moment, Peter felt the weight of his sin. Peter felt the shame of the sin of the way that he had been living his life. Jesus' response to him is, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be a fisher of men. Jesus stretched out his hand like this in forgiveness. And he said, come, follow me. So we see in this first interaction with Peter and Jesus, forgiveness. Like instantaneously, it's the first thing, the first interactions between Jesus and Peter is forgiveness. And so we see this happen. And if you're familiar with the four Gospels, then you're also aware of the fact that Peter goes on to be the very first disciple of Jesus Christ. 
Jesus calls him and says, come and follow me. And Peter responds. His brother Andrew was there, and he also responds. And two other disciples were there at the time as well, and they also respond. But Peter was the first disciple. He was originally named Simon, and Jesus changed his name to um, Cephas. And I think that's how you say it. And I can't remember if that was the Greek or the Hebrew, but um, then in the opposite language, it's Petra, um, which is Peter, and it means rock. So his name was originally Simon. He is renamed Peter. He is a spokesperson for the disciples and for Jesus, and he becomes an early leader in the church. He becomes an apostle, and I, uh, through studying this, I didn't know this personally, um, that the difference between an apostle and a disciple is that disciples are followers of Jesus. So in theory, everyone in this room is a disciple. If you know Jesus, if you have accepted Jesus in your heart, then you are a disciple, but we are not apostles. The apostles were only those 12 that saw and witnessed the miracles of Jesus. So Peter becomes an apostle, and because of his dedication and his life for living for Christ, he ended up suffering a great deal. So one of the um, first miracles, aside from the fish, that Peter ends up seeing was he saw his mother-in-law get healed. She was sick with a fever, and she had been sick for some time. And Jesus goes in, and he, um, he goes in and heals her just on the spot. And that was, um, I think, a big moment for Peter. Um, additionally, as you continue reading through the Gospels, you learn that Peter walked on water. I mean, Peter's a sinful man. He is not Jesus. We know that Jesus walked on water. But Peter did too. Peter, as Jesus was walking on water, Jesus is like, hey, come. And Peter's like, uh, okay. He gets out of the boat and he starts walking on water. I mean, I've tried walking on water. It doesn't work. I don't know if anybody else has tried walking on water. If you have and you're successful, let me know. Um, but it, it worked. Peter's walking on water to Jesus, and he starts to doubt. There's some trouble, right? He starts to doubt, and he starts to sink, but Peter walks on water. Then we have the confession of Christ. Peter is the very first person to recognize Jesus Christ as the Son of the living God. The Son of the living God. He had never been... Um, been described as that. So in this interaction, Jesus asks him, who do you say I am? And Peter answers, after there's some other dialogue, Peter answers, the son of the living God. So we have this confession of Christ by Peter. And then Jesus asks the question, I mean, I said that first service too, Peter asks this question, how many times should I forgive my brother who sins against me? And Jesus's response was, or Peter asked seven times, and Jesus' response was, forgive him 77 times. So we, Peter sees all this stuff happening, right? He sees miracles happening. He's very well aware of who God is, um, who Jesus was. He names him the son of the living God. Peter is walking this walk and this journey as a disciple and as an apostle with Jesus, um, all through, you know, all through um, the, the years that Jesus was doing his ministry. And then we come to um, this section. 
So I'm going to read this section out loud. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 26, 31 through 35. If you read your Bibles on your phone, you can do it that way too. But follow along with me. It says, Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen... I will go into Galilee. Now let me pause here and say, so you have all of this stuff that Peter is well aware of, right? That, that he is the son of the living God. He's seen all these miracles. And now we're about ready to hear where Jesus predicts that Peter is going to deny him. After all that they have lived through and walked through together for several years, we're going to hear this and read this. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Peter was loyal. He was committed he had longevity in their relationship. He'd been with them for all, the, all their travels town to town. He had seen all these miracles, and he was absolutely certain, no way, God, I will never disown you. But if you flip just a little further over into verses 69 through 75, you have this. Now Peter was sitting in the, out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him, you also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. And he denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them, for your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Instantaneously, Peter knew what he had done. Instantaneously, Peter's heart broke, and he wept. Instantaneously, he felt the weight of his sin. Peter wept bitterly. I don't know about you, but I've had countless times in my life where I have done something where I know that I was walking outside of the glory of God, where I was walking in sin, snapped at my husband, my children, said hurtful words, did something, and I knew, I knew. And I wept bitterly. I can't even imagine what that was like for Peter to know that he had been walking with the living God all that he had seen and witnessed in front of him. 
and he knew what he had just done. And then there was silence, complete silence. After, after Jesus was crucified, we don't hear anything about Peter. You can go through all four gospel accounts, and you don't see a single thing about Peter after that. One can surmise, or at least I surmise, that Jesus, or Peter was just so broken and filled with so much grief over his denial of Jesus that he went back to his old ways of being a fisherman and just kind of distanced himself from uh, the other disciples. So we have silence, complete silence, until... Um, actually, I'm not going to go there yet until um, the resurrection. And as soon as the resurrection happened, we know, again, through all four Gospels, um, there are various, you know, varying accounts, but we know that Peter was not there, and we know that um, in one account, it says that um, Mary Magdalene was there, and uh, an angel had come down, clothed in white, and the angel told Mary, Go get the others. And then it says this, which I think is really, um, uh, for me, it was, it was impa- uh, impactful. It said, go get the others and Peter. I thought it was really interesting that it, it literally um, sectioned out Peter. He called out Peter. The angel called out Peter separately. And I think that that is for a reason, and I think that that reason is because of the shame and the guilt that Peter had. And I think the fact that Peter probably went back to being a fisherman, feeling the weight of that, of that um, sin of, of denying Jesus. But then we have—whoops, wrong way. Then we have John chapter 20, verses 21 through 23. This is the first appearance— that Jesus made to the apostles. He had come and, um, to Mary Magdalene, but this is the very first appearance that we see that Jesus came to the disciples. And in this, again, I don't think it's an accident, um, but he says, um, Jesus says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins... They are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, this is the very first time Peter is seeing Jesus post-resurrection. The very first time that, according to the, the Gospels, that Peter is seeing Jesus since Peter denied Jesus. And what Jesus chooses to say, that is it. That's the whole section in the Bible. It's not like a part of a long speech that Jesus gave. That's it. Two sentences. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. I think that's super poignant for for Peter. This is the beginning of uh, Peter's ministry post-resurrection. He begins to see forgiveness um, in, in what, his, uh, what he had done. But then Jesus comes, and he reinstates Peter. And this just seals the deal. Because what happens in this encounter is that 
um, Jesus, in having some conversation, he talks to Peter, and he says three times, just like Peter denied Jesus three times, Peter, do you love me? Well, of course I do, God. Yes. Again, he said, Peter, do you love me? Yes, God, of course I love you. And then a third time, Jesus asked Peter again, do you love me? Yes, God, of course I love you. I don't think that was by accident that Jesus did that. I think there was redeeming value in Jesus asking that question to Peter three times. I think Jesus knew that Peter needed to say that out loud three times. I am forgiven. I am forgiven. I am forgiven three times. And so we see this interaction between Jesus and Peter. And what happened in those last few moments between Jesus and Peter set the, paved the way. It set them on a path of complete and utter, utter forgiveness where Jesus, uh, Peter felt completely redeemed just like he did that day when he met Jesus at the boat where Jesus was holding out his hand and saying, whatever you have done, I forgive you. Whatever you have done, I want you to lay it at the cross and I want you to give it to me. I have redeemed you by the blood of Jesus Christ. So we see this as the beginning of Peter's ministry. And we know by reading through Acts that Peter's ministry and First and Second Peter went on to be a really powerful ministry. And it is responsible for the salvation of many. And Peter healed many people. And there were other miracles that happened by the hand of Peter through the hand of God. But none of that would have been possible had there not been the redeeming and saving grace of forgiveness by Jesus. As I was studying the book of Acts, I'd been studying the book of Acts for like a month. And uh, as I was studying it, I was just so enamored by Peter and by his life because I, I, I thought about, as I was reading Acts and I was looking at all the miracles that he was performing and all the things that he was able to do, all I could think about was what he had done. And I thought, how amazing is that, that even though Peter denied Jesus three times, he has the ability to go forward and live his life in the freedom that Jesus Christ gave him because of the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ. The definition of forgiveness or forgive is to cease to feel resentment against an offender, to pardon, to forgive one's enemies, or to give up resentment of or claim a requital for, so to forgive an insult, or to grant relief from payment of, so to forgive someone a debt.
we have the amazing ability to walk in freedom and to give freedom. In the church body, um, I do some work for pro-life stuff and um, pro-life movement, and one of the things that is so troubling is that within the body of Christ, we see that the number of um, abortions is highest among young teenage girls or unwed girls. And I think we have a role and a responsibility to change that around because the reason why that number is so high is because the church at large has deemed that as one of the unforgivable sins. But it is no different than the sins that others are doing, I'm doing on a daily basis, right? We have young girls who can choose life or they can choose death. But as a church, we condemn and we judge and we don't show love and mercy and forgiveness. And so many of these girls, out of fear of those things, choose abortion. And then they live out their life fighting all of those demons that are in them of what they have done. And we know study after study after study talks about post-abortive trauma. It isn't just the child that is harmed. There's long-term trauma to women and young girls who choose that. But we as a church, we have a role and a responsibility, which is to love these girls and love the decision that they have made to choose life. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but it means they've chosen life, and we need to celebrate that. There's no greater decision. The decision of whether or not they should have done what they did, it's, it's in the past. It doesn't matter, because what matters is that there is a baby. And so what matters is that that life is protected at all costs, right? So she now has the freedom to raise that child. How? In the ways of the Lord. Why? Because the body of Christ has supported her. We have examples in the Bible of like um, the paralyzed guy. When Jesus was speaking to a group of people and the crowd was so thick and so heavy and Mary Magdalene is like trying to get this paralytic over to Jesus because she knows that Jesus can heal because she has been healed of seven demons in her own body. She knows the power of Jesus Christ and she's trying to get this paralytic to Jesus and she can't. It's so full. And so they come up with this plan and they devise this plan. Let's take him through the roof. Now in that moment that the paralytic is being dropped down through the roof, Jesus had some choices, right? He could have been like, what are you doing? I'm talking. This is crazy, right? Some roof pieces, hay, straw falling on his head. But that's not what he did. Does anyone know what Jesus did, what he said? He said, go, sin no more. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus paved the way for that man to go out as a completely healed individual. And he paved the way 
for that man to go and share the gospel with others because he was forgiven, because he was healed. This man now had a mouthpiece to go and say to the world, I am forgiven, and by the blood of Jesus Christ, look at what he has done. Because I'm sure that after Jesus' death and resurrection, this paralytic went on to have a life that isn't documented in the Bible, but went on to tell of the good graces of Jesus Christ. We also have the woman at the well, the Samaritan. Such a powerful story. You have a Multiple things going on here. You have a Samaritan and Jews. Samaritans and Jews were at odds with each other. They did not get along. There was a lot of turmoil, fighting. Death could happen. Then you have the fact that she is a woman. Culturally speaking, at that time, there was, not, there was no precedence for that. Women and men did not talk to each other in that regard. And they didn't, um, they didn't like, go to the well and be at the well at the same time. There's a lot of cultural norms at that time that would say that what that interaction at the well would not have happened. And then you have the fact that she wasn't just a woman or a Samaritan, but she was a woman having an affair and had had multiple husbands and was still currently married while having a relationship with another man. And she meets Jesus at the well and while he doesn't, while the, the Gospels never say the words forgive, that's exactly what Jesus did to that woman at the well. He said to her, or she, as he's talking to her, and as she's leaving, she's running away, and she's screaming, he told me everything I did! He told me everything I've ever done! And he knew, she knew, She knew in that moment that he was the son of the living God. These are not fictional characters that we read about. There's a lot of documented proof that these are real lives, real people. I don't even like to call them stories because that seems fictional. These are real-life events that took place, and Jesus paved the way Because if you read further down after that account, it goes on to say that she went and told many about what Jesus had done. He paved the way for freedom for her to be able to go and live the life she was meant to be. He paved the way for all of us to be able to go and live the life that we were meant to be. I got saved when I was 13. I didn't know God at all. I had always wanted to know him. He'd always, like, been speaking to me, but I didn't even know how. Like, I just always wanted to go to church, but my parents didn't go to church or whatever. And, uh, and so I got saved at 13. And there was a lot of stuff, even in that short amount of time, that I had done. Like, I was never a kid that did drugs and, and you know, whatever. I, I, was, I was not that partying kid, but I hung out with those kids, And so a lot of bad things happened in my presence and happened um, where God was able to say, no, I'm going to pluck you out of that. And I'm going to forgive you of the things that you have done. I'm going to forgive you. 
and that has paved the way for me to go on and have six kids that I am able to homeschool partially and disciple my own family. It has paved the way for me to be able to run a nonprofit organization where I help women who are coming out of trafficking situations and sexual exploitation. It has paved the way for me to speak at women's conferences and to do things like this and share the gospel of what God has done in my life, the forgiving grace of what God has done in my life. And I'm not perfect. I have six kids right there that can attest to my imperfections. But I can tell you that I love Jesus Christ, and I'm so thankful for his saving grace. There are three types of forgiveness, really. You can receive forgiveness. You can give forgiveness to others. And you can give it to yourself. All three of those are backed by scripture. Not just those scriptures, multiple scriptures. When we receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, when we recognize and understand that the blood of Jesus Christ has redeemed us, that the blood of Jesus Christ has forgiven us, it frees us up to go and live the life that we were supposed to live, walking with Jesus. When you give, free, uh, give forgiveness to others, it frees them up to go and give and to go and live the life that they were meant to be. I'm really terrible in this area. I struggle to forgive I feel like I've gotten better um, over the years, but it's still an area that I struggle in. And you can give forgiveness to yourself. Sometimes I think that's the hardest one to do. Because when you are holding the weight of your past actions, it's really hard to say that you are forgiven, Bethany. But we know that we are forgiven. So we have these three ways of forgiveness, and each one either bring freedom to us or give freedom to other people. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I just want to open up the altar. When when God was giving me this message, and as I was studying through the book of Acts, and I was just so overcome by the realness of Peter's life and the realness of that weight of what he did, which again, I mean, you could look at Paul's life, right? I mean, he was personally responsible for the murder of many Christians. There's multiple people you can look at in the Bible. But I was so struck by Peter's story. So I want to open up the altar as a place where you guys can Um, and me, can just come and have ministry with the Lord. If you guys can start the music. Um, 
where you guys can just do ministry, whether that's because you need to forgive someone or you need to receive forgiveness from the Lord or even give forgiveness to yourself. Allow God to do that ministering work in your heart. If you're going to come up, I would just ask you to put on your masks. And if you don't feel comfortable coming up, then you could just sit in your chair and do it as well. But I'm just going to pray this out. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you. Thank you for what you have done for us. That your blood is the saving grace of God. That it is the thing, God, that has brought forgiveness and healing. That it has brought redemption to so many, to me. Let us never forget that, God. Let us never forget that these are real people and real stories. As we pour through scripture, as we study your word, God, I pray that you would make it come to life to us. Don't let the enemy get in the way of it just being words on a page, but bring it to life, God. Your word is the living word, God. So I pray, God, that as all these people dig into your word and as they study scripture, God, that you would just bring things to life for them. Speak to them through your word, God, and speak to me through your word. God, forgive us. Forgive us of things that we need forgiveness for, God, and help us to come to repentance. Help us to forgive others, God, and to give them that freedom to go and live the life that they were supposed to live. And help us to forgive ourselves, God. Help us to extend grace even to ourselves. We love you, Father. We praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I just encourage you guys to come up if you would like to.